0: You know, I, as I was thinking about uh, what I was going to talk about this morning, and we're going through the book of Second Corinthians, and uh, the text that uh, that landed onto my desk was the one I'm going to be talking about today. And I read through it, and I thought, oh, great. You know, a text on church conflict. <laughs> oh, good. Yeah, thanks, Caleb. Thanks. Uh yeah, so, but... Then I started thinking through it. And, and, and what Paul has to say, yeah, it comes out of some some conflict that he was going through with his church. But he talks about some really profound principles, and that's kind of where we're going to go today. And as I was thinking about, you know, how do I start this off? And I was just reminded of uh, the uh, movie The Wizard of Oz. And uh, in the movie, you know, uh, if you know the movie at all, Dorothy, you know, taps her little ruby-red slippers together and suddenly she finds herself in a very, very strange place. And, and, and she looks down at her little dog, Toto, and she says, Toto, I have a feeling we're not in Kansas anymore. <laughs> and uh, you know what, folks? I have a feeling. Looking around us in society today, <laughs> we're not in Kansas anymore. We are going through the landscape that we're living on right now is changing, and it's changing constantly, and it's changing rapidly. You know, things politically, culturally, socially, morally, spiritually. Many times this last year, I was wondering whether the entire social fabric of North America was just going to rip right down the center and tear and break and completely come apart. You know, if I think about, is there one year that I could, one word that I can use to describe this last year? Uh, the word that came to me is one that I just heard this last week when we had somebody from the district coming up and sharing with a number of us as pastors. And he used the word disruption. And I thought, yeah, that's the word. That, that fits. You know, I, I, I have to say that, you know, for myself this has been a really hard year and a half you know not even taking into account the pandemic itself and the sickness that people have been experiencing but but you know it's been tough and i think all of us would agree and we probably have experienced different things but we've been through a tough time and a tough year and a half you know i i also have been bumping up against some of the new realities. We're living in a new age. I call it the age of ideology control. And what that means is that, you know what? In our society, there's no longer a demand for us to just do the right things to be good citizens and to be good community partners. But now, there is this pressure not only to to do what everybody else does and to conform, but, to actually think the same way and to to actually function under, you know, really strict new guidelines that there's no rules for them. This last week, uh, one of our partner organizations, Promise Keepers, uh, it was out on Facebook, and so I did a little bit of research, and uh, Promise Keepers uh, Canada, uh, they call themselves Promise Keepers in Pactus, and and they found suddenly one day they had been cancelled, they had been erased from uh, from Facebook, and they got a note just saying that your website or your Facebook site does not comply with our community standards. Oh, wow! And listening to the news two nights ago. Promise Keepers USA is planning a huge rally in Dallas, Texas. They're in Dallas because they were kicked out of another state. And they're in Dallas, Texas, and now there is huge pressure being placed on the owner of the Dallas Cowboys and on the company AT&T, who is the name sponsor holder of that stadium because the claim is, is that Promise Keepers is a hate organization because of their position on human sexuality. They don't even talk about human sexuality, but they're identified with that, and so there are many forces that are trying to cancel them. And so we're in this cancel culture. You've probably come up against it, and I was talking to my director of communications this last week after I read about Promise Keepers, and she said, it's happening to churches all the time. We're being erased from the social media, and and that's something we're going to have to get used to more and more. Uh, There is now this idea that we're all about diversity, but your diversity has to match with my value set and with my view of diversity, and if not, then you're cancelled. You know, this last year, uh, Bill C-7 was just enacted into law, which expands medical assistance in dying. And so we we are now moving into the into the world of ethics, and the landscape of ethics is changing in our nation. I can continue going on. You know, there are also a lot of legitimate changes that are happening. And out of tragedy, out of the, you know, this last couple of weeks, we can't, I don't think we could help but see and, and, and hopefully Empathize and feel along with First Nations people across our nation as two mass grave sites have been uncovered and and some of their pain that they have been experiencing for decades and decades and decades, the volume is finally rising to the place where our nation, where ourselves, uh, where we're beginning to hear the pain that they're experiencing. And, and, you know, and, and I think that we have a role to play even though... You know, as I watched it at the beginning, I thought, well, I'm innocent. But yet at the same time, we're part of the same community. We're part of the same nation together. And, and they are people that need healing. They are people that need hope. They are, pe- need, they are people that need reconciliation. And so I got a couple questions to kind of launch us off. How do we navigate these times? You know, what is God doing? What's he calling us into? And you know, I, I hope I haven't painted this a really gloomy picture so that you're really, really bummed out right now. God's done some really cool and awesome things here this last year. I, I think back to the, the Set Free course that happened uh, an, an quite a number of months ago already, and, and it was an amazing course, and there were a number of people who really found a new sense of freedom And our soul care seminar that we had just a couple of months ago, what a powerful event. In fact, had the opportunity to to train 22 people from our congregation to work in deliverance prayer ministry. And of that group of 22, 14 of them at the end of the seminar were in different circles in the atrium, praying with people for spiritual freedom. And you know what? Jesus showed up. People got free is powerful and our chairman rick friesen has said in a letter during the last lockdown he said you know nothing is going to dissuade us from moving forward in our vision and i want to just say to you all at the outset this morning nothing is going to dissuade us from moving forward in our vision god's given us a vision of changing hearts and changing lives and, and and we are called up into that with him, and we're privileged to be in it with him. And, and we're excited about how he's moving and where he's taking us. But I want to just say that I believe that God is calling us to be his voice, to be people of integrity and to be people of reconciliation and healing. And you know, the core of this letter that we're going through this summer. is, is, the theme is reconciliation. And and there are going to be some really powerful texts that we are going to walk through together. But uh, I'm just going to jump forward to chapter 5 where Paul says this. He says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone. The new has come. All of this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. So I'm going to talk about integrity this morning, but the foundation below that is the ministry of reconciliation that God has given to us. Paul calls us ambassadors of Christ. And you know what? That call is going to put us in the line of fire at times. I want to talk today, like I said, about integrity and about our response When our integrity comes under fire, and I just kind of coined the term character in the crosshairs. I I don't know if you've ever felt that way. If you've ever had that kind of a confrontational situation where you feel like, you know, somebody is looking through the scope of a rifle and and there's a set of crosshairs on you. You know, we are going to run into those kind of circumstances. So let's look at the text. I want to read through the text as a whole, and then I'm going to kind of move around within it. So I want to get to you the whole picture of how Paul's walking through it. He says, Now this is our boast. Our conscience testifies that we have conducted ourselves in the world and especially in our relations with you. That's the Corinthian church. With integrity and godly wisdom. And we have done so relying not on worldly wisdom but on God's grace. For we did not write you anything you cannot read or understand. And I hope that as you understand us in part, you will come to fully understand that you can boast of us just as we will boast of you in the day of the Lord Jesus. And because I was confident of this, I wanted to visit you first so that you might benefit twice. I wanted to visit you on my way to Macedonia and to come back to you from Macedonia and then to have you send me on my way to Judea. WAS I FICKLE WHEN I INTENDED TO DO THIS? OR DID I MAKE MY PLANS IN A WORLDLY MANNER SO THAT IN THE SAME BREATH I SAY YES, YES, AND NO, NO? No, BUT SURELY, AS GOD IS FAITHFUL, OUR MESSAGE TO YOU IS NOT YES AND NO. FOR THE SON OF GOD, JESUS CHRIST, WHO WAS PREACHED AMONG YOU BY US, BY ME AND SILAS AND TIMOTHY, WAS NOT YES AND NO. But in him, it has always been yes in Christ. For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so through him, the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. And now it is God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. He anointed us. He set a seed of ownership on us. And he put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. And I call God as my witness, and I stake my life on it, that it was in order to spare you that I did not return to Corinth. Not that we lorded over your faith, but we work with you for your joy, because it is by faith you stand firm. And so I made up my mind that I would not make another painful visit to you, For I grieved you, sorry, for if I grieved you, who is left to make me glad but you whom I have grieved? I wrote as I did, so that when I came, I would not be distressed by those who should have made me rejoice. I have confidence in all of you that you would share my joy. For I wrote to you out of great distress and anguish of heart, And with many tears, not to grieve you, but to let you know the depth of my love for you. Most of the books in the New Testament were letters that were written by Apostle Paul to address issues and challenges that came up in the churches that he had planted. And the church in Corinth was actually quite easily the messiest church that he planted. They had so many hang-ups. SPIRITUAL HANG-UPS, MORAL HANG-UPS, RELATIONAL HANG-UPS, WORSHIP HANG-UPS. WHEN PAUL PLANTED THE CHURCH, HE ACTUALLY SPENT A YEAR AND A HALF, AND HE BEGAN BY FINDING A COUPLE OF PEOPLE WHO HE LED TO THE LORD. IN FACT, THE FIRST TWO WERE a were, uh, HUSBAND AND WIFE BY THE NAME OF AQUILA AND PRISCILLA. THEY ACTUALLY BECAME CO-WORKERS, AND THEY ACTUALLY BECAME THE HOSTS OF THE CHURCH, AND THEY BECAME MENTORS OF SOME OF THE FUTURE LEADERS, INCLUDING Apollos. AND SO HE WOULD MENTOR LEADERS, HE WOULD PUT LEADERS IN PLACE OF THE CHURCH, AND THEN HE WOULD GO ON AND PAUL ACTUALLY PLANTED OVER 20 CHURCHES OVER HIS LIFETIME. AND SO PAUL'S SECOND TRIP TO CORINTH WAS ABOUT FOUR YEARS LATER THAN HIS FIRST TRIP WHEN HE PLANTED THE CHURCH, AND IT WAS ON HIS SECOND CHURCH-PLANTING TRIP. AND HE HAD SENT WORD OUT, AS HE HEARD FROM THE TEXT, THAT HE TOLD THEM, I WANT TO COME AND VISIT YOU TWICE one on his way out, and one on his way back, but on his first visit, that visit went very badly, in fact, there were a number of people, one and one especially, who were very, very disrespectful. It was a very, very terribly painful trip for Paul. They were not obedient. They did not follow his teaching and his leading, and in fact, they were, they were actually really quite disgraceful with him. And so he decided not to go back for a second visit now in that 4 years during Paul's absence there were some imposters who had come into the church and we're going to read later on they came with letters of recommendation basically they got a different church to say hey these guys are great preachers and teachers and like they are way better than Paul and you know they should be given great honor and and you should you should do whatever they ask you well THESE GUYS WERE, PAUL CALLS THEM LATER ON, HE CALLS THEM FALSE TEACHERS, AND THEY REALLY HAD ONE AIM, (laughs) AND THAT WAS TO FLEECE THE CORINTHIAN CHURCH OF ALL OF THEIR MONEY. AND IN FACT, THEY ATTACKED PAUL LATER ON IN HIS MINISTRY BECAUSE HE DIDN'T ASK FOR ANY MONEY FROM THE CHURCH. AND SO WHAT THEY DID, KIND OF REALIZING, LOOK, IF PAUL COMES BACK AGAIN, uh, OUR SCAM MIGHT GET BUSTED. AND SO THEY BEGAN SEEDING AND SOWING SEEDS OF DISTRUST IN THE CONGREGATION. And, 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 and just asking, saying, you know what? Paul said he was going to come and visit twice, but look, the guy just up and changed his mind. Now he's only coming once. Can we really trust a guy like that? And, and so they sowed these seeds of distrust. And they got the church to start doubting Paul's integrity. And they took aim at Paul. Paul. And, and like I said, their, their statement was, you know, Paul is so fickle and wishy-washy, you know, he can't be trusted. Now, Paul was no stranger to conflict. In fact, he faced it almost everywhere that he went. If we read, well, Paul once actually goes through and he kind of recites it, you know, he was beaten. He was stoned. He was thrown out of towns and synagogues and cities. He was mocked. He was whipped. He was left for dead, he was jailed, he was shipwrecked, he got bit by a snake. Like, he was no stranger to conflict. And you know what? He says, I've given my all for the church for Christ, and in the end he did because he wound up just kind of being summarily beheaded while he was in prison in Rome. When Paul said for me to live as Christ and to die is gain, He was taking that very, very seriously. So through everything that Paul faced, though, there were two things that remained solid and immovable and that guided him through the firestorms that he faced. The first one was his faith. And then the second one was his character that was formed out of his faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. It was his integrity. Faith plus conduct equals integrity. So how do we navigate firestorms that come our way? Whether we choose to or not, they're coming. Sooner or later, we're going to find ourselves in the crosshairs of somebody or some movement or some ideology. We need to practice Paul's example. Number one, paying close attention to our character and our conduct. And then number two, leaning into our faith. So Paul starts off, he says, here's my boast. And we sang... Incredible song, and Brad read a text from the Old Testament, you know, saying that whoever wants to boast should boast in the Lord. Paul actually says that further on in this book as well. You know, Paul was a highly trained scholar. He was steeped in theology. He was trained in oration. He could have matched anyone in an argument, in a debate. But you know what? Paul chose something different. He chose to let his character, and his faith be his defense. You know, when we hear the word boasting, most of us probably think about bragging. You know, I remember growing up on, you know, the schoolyard in, at recess time, and often as not, we would wind up in a scuffle and an argument, and, you know, you, you shouldn't have pushed me. Well, I didn't push you. Yeah, you did. No, you didn't. You know, finally, it's, you know, well, my dad's bigger than you. Well, my dad could, could beat your dad up and... Uh, I'm glad my dad didn't have to fight half the fights that I committed him to. <laughs> so, you know, that's what we do. We boast, you know. If I've got nothing else, I'll just boast in my dad, you know. But uh, Paul, Paul, when he used the word boasting, except for one occasion, whenever Paul used the word boasting, he always redirected the attention to God or to Jesus. You know, I, uh, I don't know about you, but uh, when I'm challenged, you know, my, my first response inside, it doesn't always come outside, but my first response, if somebody takes a swing at me, not literally, but if somebody takes a shot at me, my, my first response, usually still, I have to battle this, is self-defense. I want to defend myself. I want to fight back and you might be like me or you might be more gracious than I am but that's a human human character trait that's still with me and, and, and I have to kinda of battle that on an ongoing way you know this last year I I actually had to make a very a very uh, intentional decision not to respond to posts on Facebook because I, I there were times when I had already written up a long response to reply to something that somebody had posted on Facebook and then I would read it over and I would read it over again and now I'd hit backspace until it was gone and closed my Facebook again you know and and, and it's tough but Paul says here's my boast and he says number 1 look at my conduct number 2 look at my motives and number three, look at the one that I represent and then make your decision about my integrity. So I'm just going to briefly take a look at those three things this morning. And he says, my conscience is clear. He says, my defense is my character. He said, I, I don't boast using worldly wisdom. He says, I boast in the very grace of God. He says, I couldn't do this on my own. He says, it's... It's God's righteousness in me. And so when it comes to character, you know what? Uncompromising integrity. The word integrity has a sense of being whole and undivided, and it's the quality of being honest and having strong moral principles. You know, there are some translations, instead of using the word uh, uh, integrity, in verse 12, they use the word holiness. Holiness. He said I have conducted myself in complete holiness. Essentially what Paul's is saying is when it comes to our conduct, uncompromising integrity. I want to look at just two facets. We could talk about integrity on so many different levels, but I want to talk about two. The first one is living consistently. Paul says in verse 17, when I planned this, did I do it lightly, or do I make my plans in a worldly main way so that in the same breath I say yes, yes, and no, no? You know, Paul says I don't make decisions using worldly vi- wisdom or how I happen to feel at the moment. He says I, f- you, I use my guide is the guidance of God. When I make decisions, I follow God's lead. A couple questions for us this morning. You know, do we act one way when we're with one group of people and then another way when we're with another group of people? Paul actually said that on one occasion he kind of had to call Peter on the carpet because... He had observed that when he was with Peter, when they were with a group of just Gentiles, then Paul, Peter was really good friends with them and hung out with them. And then when they got into Jerusalem and into Jewish areas, then he kind of ditched the Gentile guys and walked over to hang out with his Jewish buddies. And Paul said, you know what? I had to confront Peter on that. You know, are we the same kind of a person and do... WHO ARE THE PEOPLE WE CHOOSE TO HANG OUT WITH AND WHY? HAVE YOU EVER HAD A FRIEND ask YOU TO GET TOGETHER AND THEN YOU SAID TO HIM, WELL, WHY DON'T YOU TEXT ME NEXT WEEK? AND WE'LL SEE, YOU KNOW, KIND OF HOPING, WELL, I HOPE MAYBE HE FORGETS. (laughs) I DON'T REALLY WANT TO GO OUT WITH HIM FOR LUNCH. (laughs) SO, YOU KNOW, I'VE DONE IT, SORRY. (laughs) YOU KNOW, OR, OR WHEN SOMEBODY SAYS, YOU KNOW, I HAVE A PRAYER REQUEST, WOULD YOU PRAY FOR ME? NOW, OUR FIRST RIGHTEOUS re- RESPONSE IS, OF COURSE I'LL PRAY FOR YOU. YOU KNOW, AND, 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 and SO THEN we, WE ACCEPT THE PRAYER REQUEST, AND THEN EITHER WE FORGET TO PRAY, OR MAYBE WE PRAY ONCE AND THEN JUST KIND OF FORGET ABOUT IT, BUT WE DID IT BECAUSE WE FELT A LITTLE BIT GUILTY, AND I HAD A FELLOW WHO WAS A SPEAKER AT ONE OF THE CAMPS WHEN I WAS A CAMP DIRECTOR, in in Saskatchewan many years ago, but we had had a very, very tough week. In fact, we'd had one of our kids in the teen camp had actually attempted suicide, and we'd had the RCMP. we had had pastors from all the area, and and it was a tough week, and and he and I had spent a lot of time together and praying together, and and he had talked about his prayer list and people that he prayed for, and so at the end of the week, we were just kind of saying our goodbyes, and so I said to him, I said, hey, would you put me on your prayer list? I'd really love it if you'd be praying for me. And he looked at me and said, "Uh, no. (laughs) And I was kind of taken aback, you know? Like, (laughs) I'm the director of this camp. And he said, and then he said, Rod, he said, I take my prayer seriously. And he said, my prayer list is really full right now. And so I would rather say no to you right now than to say yes and not do it. And I walked away from that and I... You know, I thought, you know what, Lord, that actually makes a lot of sense. You know, so don't say yes, yes, and then go ahead and do no, no. That's what Paul's saying. Consistency should guide our speech, our relationships at work, how we address the teller at the store when we're in a hurry, our spouses, our families, and the guy or the woman that always seems to find a way to irritate us. And the person that calls us out on our faith. Possibly even when we've kind of stepped out of line. And then it also, it's also important when we're alone and there's nobody to hold us accountable for it. Consistency is an important form of honesty. Inconsistency is hypocrisy. And people will figure out quickly which is the real you and me and which one isn't. And you know what, people may not come to agree with us and they might not respect us. But they should always know the things for which we stand by the consistency of our life. And then secondly in conduct, I just want to talk about speaking the truth with grace. You know what, Paul did not sidestep difficult situations. He did not run away from the painful and the messy. The backstory in this story is, you know, when Paul didn't go back to Corinth for the second time, as I said earlier, he had planned to, but he had been treated so badly, and so he wrote a letter confronting the man and confronting the church. And this is what he was re- writing about in chapter 2, verses 3 and 4. He said, I wrote as I did so that when I came, I should not be distressed by those of you who ought to be making me rejoice I had confidence in all of you that you would share my joy. For I wrote to you out of great distress and anguish of heart and with many tears, not to grieve you, but to let you know the depth of my love for you. Now, a few verses after my text, a little bit of spoiler alert for Caleb's sermon next week. Uh, in the next text, Paul actually asks the church, to forgive and to comfort the guy who had disgraced him. He loved the church far more than he loved his name, his own own name. You know, Paul wrote in the book of Ephesians, he said, Speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head, that is, Christ. In John's gospel about Jesus, he wrote that Jesus came full of truth and grace. And of course, Jesus was able to hold those in perfect balance all of the time. I don't know about you, but I find that staying on the center of that line is challenging. Either I want to drift over into the gray stitch and say, everything is okay. That's okay. That's okay. That's okay. That's okay we do need to be gracious but we also have to hold in the balance truth but when we are holding somebody accountable with truth we have to be very careful not to become rigid and so righteous and so jesus was able to hold it in the very center of the lane and one occasion when he happened upon a scene where the Pharisees had gathered a circle of people and they had in the cer- middle of the circle a woman who had been caught in the act of adultery. I always find it interesting that they only found one person in the act of adultery. Somehow they did. Uh, but they had this woman and Jesus, when he turned to them, he said, she's guilty. So get everyone pick up a stone and, you know, the one that's without sin, you're the first one. So... You know, step up in line. You know, the holiest person, the most righteous. You know, they all walked away. And then when they were all gone, Jesus turned to her. He said, where are your accusers? And she said, they've all gone. He says, I don't condemn you either. Then he said, go and don't sin anymore. You hear that? He was very truthful. He confronted what you were doing was wrong, but I don't condemn you don't do it anymore. You know, we're going to be confronted with messy situations and messy lives. Integrity means that we will have the courage to speak up with truth and with grace. And so you know what? When we see something that is sinful, we need to speak up, but not to condemn. When there is injustice and we're seeing it, we need to speak up. IN ORDER TO BRING HEALING AND RECONCILIATION. WHEN THERE'S VULNERABILITY, WHEN when WE SEE THE VULNERABLE WHO NEED A VOICE, WE MAY BE THE ONE THAT NEEDS TO STAND UP TO PROTECT. AND ALSO TO SEEK THE RECONCILIATION AND RECOVERY OF THE OFFENDER AS WELL. YOU KNOW WHAT, IF SOMEBODY HAS HURT YOU, AND I KNOW THAT IT'S TOUGH AND IT TAKES COURAGE TO SPEAK UP Truthfully and graciously, and you know what, I recognize, and I think we can all recognize it, when we've been hurt, especially really deeply, sometimes the grace part takes a little while to show up within our humanity. But somewhere along the way, we need to be able to, willing to speak up with each other, with each other in the church. If something goes wrong, and if you may feel offended, speak up. Address it. Don't walk away because it never gets fixed by walking away. Speaking truth into the messes of life is how we will grow together. It is how healing starts and is how we value each other and ourselves. But it's got to be in love. And that's where I want to go next. And that is sincerity, uncompromised motives. You know, IN PAUL'S DEFENSE, HE SAYS, I'VE CONDUCTED MYSELF WITH INTEGRITY AND SINCERITY. AND PAUL, EVERYTHING THAT PAUL DID WAS MOTIVATED BY HIS LOVE FOR CHRIST AND BY HIS LOVE FOR PEOPLE. AT THE END OF THIS SECTION, WHERE HE SAYS, WHEN I WROTE TO YOU OUT OF GREAT DISTRESS AND ANGUISH OF HEART AND WITH MANY TEARS, HE SAID, I WROTE TO LET YOU KNOW THE DEPTH OF MY LOVE FOR YOU. AND HIS CLOSING SENTENCE IN THIS LETTER TO THEM was may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Paul literally sacrificed his life for the love of Christ and the love of the people that he was called to win. And so I want you to think just for a moment. This past week, has there been something that you did, some way that you maybe stepped out of your comfort zone or your routine to do something loving? Something just totally out of love for Jesus, for somebody else, towards somebody else. Possibly even in your responding to something unkind or unloving that was done or said to you. Think about that. And love is always for other people's benefit. Paul said in verse 23, he says, I hope that as you have understood us in part, you will come to understand fully that you can boast of us just as we will boast of you on the day of the Lord Jesus. And in 2 verse 1, he says, not that we lord it over your faith, but we work with you for your joy because it is by faith that you stand firm. You know, Paul could have, but he wouldn't let anything hold so he wouldn't let himself hold anything over the people in this church in Corinth. And in verse 14, Paul's goal, he said this, when Jesus returns, he said, friends, I want to be able to be proud of you before Jesus. And I really hope that you're going to be proud before Jesus of me, your leader. What a motive, hey? To stand proud before Jesus one day of the people that we lived and worked with. And when Jesus returns, we'll be proud of each other for the way that we've treated each other, for the way that we've treated the world around us. And then lastly, my last point is to be firmly rooted, to lean into our faith our anchor point of defense for all challenges is our foundation in the very character of God and it says God does not leave us to face challenges and adversity for ourselves God is our defense he is our protection and Paul goes through a list OF KIND OF THE attributes OF THE CHARACTER OF GOD AND JESUS AND THE HOLY SPIRIT. HE BEGINS BY SAYING, YOU KNOW, THE FAITHFULNESS OF GOD. HE SAYS, BECAUSE GOD IS FAITHFUL, OUR MESSAGE TO YOU IS NOT YES AND NO. YOU KNOW, PAUL IS SAYING, YOU KNOW, FRIENDS, DOESN'T IT MAKE SENSE? I'M THE ONE THAT BROUGHT YOU THIS MESSAGE. I'M THE ONE THAT TAUGHT YOU ABOUT THE CHARACTER OF GOD. YOU KNOW, DOES IT MAKE ANY SENSE THAT I WOULD NOW... Walk away from that and do something completely different. He said, you've experienced it yourself. I'm still leaned into the message, and you should too. In Lamentations, the author writes, the Lord's loving kindnesses indeed never cease, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. And we sang about that this morning And Paul wrote in the book of Romans, for I'm convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present or the future, or any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. God is faithful. And we can trust it. You know what? God will may well never remove us FROM CHALLENGING CIRCUMSTANCES, BUT HE'S NEVER GOING TO LEAVE US TO FACE THEM ON OUR OWN. AND THEN PAUL SAYS, WE STAND FIRM IN CHRIST. HE SAYS, FOR NO MATTER HOW MANY PROMISES GOD HAS MADE, THEY ARE YES IN CHRIST, AND SO THROUGH HIM, THE AMEN IS SPOKEN TO US BY THE GLORY OF GOD. NOW IT IS GOD THAT MAKES BOTH US AND YOU STAND FIRM IN CHRIST. HE'S SAYING ALL OF GOD'S PROMISES right from genesis chapter 3 verse 15 where god spoke to the serpent and he proclaimed that victory was going to come through his son jesus for the thousands of years in between god was faithful and all of god's promises all are gathered up and come to completion in the work of jesus and that's why he says all the promises of god are yes AND HE SAYS, CAN I HAVE AN AMEN? (laughs) AMEN. (laughs) I WAS WONDERING IF ANYONE WOULD DO THAT. YOU KNOW, JESUS ACTUALLY SAYS, I WILL BE WITH YOU TO THE VERY END OF THE AGE. WE STAND FIRM IN CHRIST. AND THEN THIRDLY IS GOD'S SEAL OF APPROVAL. WE HAVE BEEN ANOINTED. AND GOD HAS ACTUALLY SET HIS SEAL OF OWNERSHIP ON US. NOW, IN THE OLD TESTAMENT, PRIESTS AND KINGS when they were being selected, they got selected by God. And what would happen was the priest would then anoint that person with oil. And from that point on, they would be declared to be under the ownership, under the seal of God. God actually claimed them as his own. And God commissioned them to his task of leadership. It's exactly what Paul is saying here, that we have been anointed. God's put his... Like God said, I own you. (laughs) You're mine. You're part of me. God's claimed every one of us has received Christ as his. We belong to and we are all also commissioned to God's task of reconciliation. And... Paul wrote in Ephesians, we are all God's workmanship. That's all of us individually and together as a body. Created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. And then finally he says, and I've also given you the guarantee of the Holy Spirit. He says, God has put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. Jesus, when he was getting ready to go to the cross, one of his last things he did was he promised to his disciples, he said, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever, the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you, and he will be in you. We've been given the Holy Spirit, and he will teach us, he'll guide us. He'll correct us and he'll empower us. So, you know what? Whatever the obstacle, whatever the challenge, whatever the dis- disagreeable and difficult person, or the temper- temptation to compromise, whatever, the Holy Spirit is with us. And not only that, it says that the Holy Spirit will be there to encourage us of the guarantee of the things that are to come, and that's eternity. Isn't that amazing? We're absolutely guaranteed and we're told over and over again. You start getting disturbed, discouraged. You start to doubt. You know, just ask the Holy Spirit, you know, can you, you know, talk to me. I'm, uh, this is tough. That one of the, uh, maybe one of the things he comes to you to say is, hey, hang in there. <laughs> the best is yet to come and it's gonna be great. So you know what? In conclusion this morning, Jesus has called us He's actually, in the Sermon on the Mount, he said, he's called us to be salt in the world that desperately needs his preserving presence. He's called us to be light. He said, You're, to be a light of the world in a very dark world that seems to be getting darker as time goes by. And God has called us into a ministry of reconciliation. We're going to find ourselves in challenging circumstances In confrontation with our views and our values and our beliefs or maybe in temptation to slide over and to float along with the current and the direction of the world around us but you know what we're also going to find ourselves in opportunities to be God's representatives of loving and of healing and of forgiving and of reconciling and so as you go this morning I just want to have two things that I want you to, to, to remember first one is this no compromise Let's guard our lives, our conduct, our motives. And then secondly, full dependence. The Father's faithfulness, Jesus' completeness, the Spirit's guiding presence. Friends, our integrity matters.